0: L.A. De La Cruz needs protection from the Rule 5 draft, that is. We will dive into who else the Reds must add to the 40-man roster so as to keep them protected, too. We will also look at a few options that the Reds can add to their Major League roster to improve next year's lineup. That's all coming up on today's Locked On Reds.
1: You are locked on Reds. Daily
0: Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: You are Locked On Reds. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we are free and available on all podcasting platforms. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside Jeff Carr. Uh, Jeff and I both have a passion for baseball. Uh, We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds, and we have taken that passion, and we have turned it into information for you. On today's podcast, it is Rule 5 time, and while that might not sound exciting, it is a big deal because that's how the Reds are going to protect a bunch of young studs from being scooped up by other teams. Jeff and I are going to discuss who the Reds should protect, and a little bit later this week, we'll tell you how they're going to do it. Uh, There are also a couple of former Reds that were traded away at the deadline in 2022 that could see a reunion with the team via free agency. We will talk about who could make a return to the Queen City. Also, Major League Baseball announced the details for the very first draft lottery, and we are going to break it down and have you covered on this whole new process being rolled out by Major League Baseball. But Jeff, I think the most important place to start with today's conversation is going to be the Rule 5 draft and who the Reds need to protect in order to keep other teams from scooping them up. And there's a couple names, like, listen, there's some no-brainer names on this list. But when we first started looking at this list and looking at moves the Reds were going to have to make, absolutely have to make, uh, it was surprising to me a few of the names on this list because it just didn't seem like in my head that a few of these guys have been around long enough to need Rule 5 protection. And that's where I want to start real quick,
0: Steve, is because when you say Rule 5 draft and protect them from that, basically the Rule 5 draft was created, so the teams just couldn't hoard a bunch of prospects. That's the big picture of it and and the reason that we all need to understand it. And when it comes to Rule 5 protection, a prospect, because they do not have to be a major league player, in fact, most of these guys aren't, um, in fact, all of them aren't, but a uh, prospect that is 18 years old, when he signed his first contract must be added to the 40 man roster four years from his signing year. And then if you're 19 years or older, or sorry, five years, I'm getting this all mixed up, 18 years old, five years from your signing year. And then if you're 19 years old or older, when you sign your first rookie deal, you must be on the 40 man roster within four years of signing your deal. So th- to say all that, these are the reasons why these guys are on this list, because the first one, and I mentioned him already in the cold open was Ellie de la Cruz. And people are thinking, well, gosh, he's not even that old, but it has nothing to do with how old he is. It's just when he first signed, he signed as an 18 year old. It's now time for him to be on the 40 man roster. So the reds can protect him. And like you said, he leads a group of very obvious guys. I think there's four. And I think we would both agree that there are four guys who absolutely unequivocally will be added to the 40-man roster to be protected from the rule 5 draft and he leads that group
1: yeah and and i'll tell you this i i like the way the stars are aligning on this a little bit also jeff uh you yes. know ellie is going to be making some noise to to have himself in cincinnati you and i have talked about uh, how we don't think the reds are going to let him break camp with the team how we think it's an he outside probably, chance but yeah, yeah yeah we think he's going to go to louisville for a hot minute before he comes to cincinnati uh so the stars are starting to align because he'll already be on the 40-man roster they send him to AAA for quote unquote air quotes whatever you want to do seasoning to learn to play some other position that he doesn't really learn to play get a knows. little paprika in there yeah something <laughs> and then he's going to be in Cincinnati. I think by Memorial day, by the end of may, I think Ellie de la Cruz makes his way to the big league club. It's great. He's already on the 40 man roster. They're not going to have to make any wonky moves to get him there. Other than to, to free up a spot on the 26 man roster, which shouldn't be that hard to do. And, and who knows by may, uh, probably there will be an injury that clears a space anyway. So I, I like the way this is lining up for Ellie. I think that it's, uh, You know, not that he needs motivation, not that he needs anything else to to push him along, but, you know, he can see it too. If if we can see it, he can see it and he can see a clear path to Cincinnati developing before his very eyes. Because he's just been so
0: good at every single level, and it, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Obviously, he's going to get added to the forty-man roster. A couple other guys, uh, Noelvi Marte, no-brainer. It's time for him to be added. He's going to get added. Brandon Williamson and Levi Stout, two guys that the Reds got in that same deal with Noelvi Marte. I look at them and I say that it, probably for the same line as Ellie De La Cruz this is just kind of the first step to them being on the major league roster this year i think both guys at some point will be up in cincinnati now i don't think that either of them will break camp with the team because brandon williamson the more that i look at the way that he finished last season it was a struggle for him not something that i think he's going to just completely erase in spring training so i think he's still going to need some time at triple a and then Levi Stout as well. He, he pitched mostly at double-A last year, so I think he's going to need some time at triple-A. But again, adding them to the 40-man roster now
1: helps that call-up that's going to happen later this year. I absolutely agree with you on Levi Stout. Uh, Judging by his numbers and what we saw of him last season, I think he needs just a little bit more time. I think if he had been remotely close to being ready in 2022, we would have seen him given all of the injuries. Uh, Here is your hot take of the day, Jeff. I'm going to disagree with you on Brandon Williamson. He will break camp with the team and be the number five starter uh as you know when a season opens they don't generally need a number five for the first two or three weeks because of the extra off days built into the calendar so i think while uh he might not be on the 26 man roster for the first two weeks or so he won't pitch anywhere else he'll be the number five guy when they need a number five guy that's my hot take of the day
0: not bad. I, I, I don't mind that. And I always forget that too. Cause like you think, okay, the 26 man roster is what it is from opening day, uh, through the first month of the season. That's not the case because you're right. There's not going to be a situation where they need that number five starter right away. But uh, that's, that's interesting. I don't tend to agree, but uh, again, we could be, um, convinced otherwise. Now there are some dudes and kind of want to spend a few minutes talking about them as well that need, uh, whether uh, whether they need to be added or whether the Reds could gamble with not adding them and keeping them, we do a little bit of s- discussing about. I will shout out a friend of the podcast, Doug Gray, has a couple of good articles over at redlegnation.com talking about some dudes who there is a discussion about whether or not they should be added to the 40-man roster to protect and what it would mean both ways. And and I appreciate the articles that he had up there. They're very informative. And we're going to start first off with a guy that we've talked about a lot because I love to say his name, and that's Daniel Veoheen, and whether or not he should be added to the 40-man roster. And it's going to start with a pretty obvious reason as to why he should be.
1: There's nobody else to catch the baseball. <laughs> they have to keep somebody. And, I, and listen, if they don't put Veoheen on the forty-man roster, someone might take a flyer on him just to get him in their organization. Now, let's let's be clear about the rules surrounding the Rule Five Draft. If you take a guy in the Rule Five Draft, he has to be on your active roster. For the entire minors, your major minors, he has to play on your major league roster for the entire season or be returned. So I think that could factor in now. uh, Bayo offensive performance in 2022 doesn't scream, hey, I'm ready for the major leagues. But, you know, a team that already knows heading in that they're completely out of it maybe they just take a flyer and stick this guy on their roster as the backup catcher in order to get him for two or three years from now. So uh, just because he's not ready doesn't necessarily mean another team might not take him.
0: And that's why Chucky Robinson, we label him as the emergency catcher. He's not on the 40-man roster, but he'll be in AAA. So you would have to make a 40-man roster move to call him up. Yeah, I agree. As far as catchers go, he is the only prospect in the reds organization that needs to be added to the 40 man roster to protect him from the rule five draft. Matt Nelson's not there. Logan Tanner's not there. So it's just him. So I think that this, I think that he gets added and he'll be the fifth guy, uh, that the reds need to make a move off the 40 man roster because the 40 man roster is currently a 40 guys. So they have to basically cut at least five guys right now. Now there is a group of guys past this point who one of them, at least according to MLB pipeline is a top 30 prospect. And I did check baseball. America has him as a top 30 prospect within the reds organization as well. That, that Doug is a little bit ambivalent about whether or not the red should add him. That's Ivan Johnson who has played some second base. He's also played some uh, shortstop and things like that, but his hitting numbers have been very up or down, very hit or miss. But when you look at Ivan Johnson, he's not necessarily a just obvious add to the 40-man roster because he's still kind of young. He's not necessarily within the age range that he's an obvious major leaguer and could be a dude that nobody
1: looks at and says, okay, we're going to keep him on our roster all year long. After those guys we talk about, when we reach this tier, Jeff, there's a couple other important things to remember. Right now, the 40-man roster is full. Every single one of these players to be added to the 40-man roster, somebody else is going to have to be removed. Now, there's a couple easy ones, and we're going to dig into this really deep tomorrow. But there's some easy ones because some guys will eventually be transferred back to uh, the 60-day IL. But... It gets problematic when you get to this level because you know, you when you talk about a prospect that's ranked that high, you would think in normal circumstances, you know, Ivan Johnson would be a no-brainer. You know, yeah. that's that's a fairly highly ranked prospect within the organization. But you've reached a level now where there's so many talented young guys that hard choices are gonna have to be made. And I think a, a question that you'd have to ask yourself here is is Ivan Johnson showing right now that he's good enough that a team would put him on the active roster to to have him around three or four years around. And I don't think he is. I think this is a player that the Reds could risk exposing to the draft, to the, to the Rule 5 draft, because I don't think somebody's going to tie up an active roster spot with him.
0: And he's shown
1: power. He
0: has a good power tool to his game. Uh, power tool to his game, yeah. I don't know why I just thought of that. Cool. Um, but yeah, he's he's a pretty solid, toolsy player. It's just he hasn't quite put it all together just yet. Uh, there's a couple of other guys. Nick Northcutt, who was the player to be named later in the Tommy Fam deal from Mason High School. I don't have a local angle to this. Steve says I do. I really don't, don't care one way or the other what high school he went to. It's just what value does he bring to the team? And then two outfielders in TJ Hopkins and Isaiah Gilliam. I look at those guys and I say, you know, between Northcutt, Hopkins, and Gilliam, I don't think they get added because of what you said. They have to make another 40-man move, which would be to cut a guy who probably would give the Reds value on their 40-man roster as opposed to having
1: one of these guys on there. I think the Reds internally have already made the decision to protect Northcutt, and I'm going to tell you why. Oh, okay. Uh, Northcutt came over as the player to be named later in the Tommy Fam deal. That wasn't announced till. I think the end of the season. It was after the minor league season was over. After it was all over, they went out and brought Northcutt in to complete that trade. Now, I don't believe that they pick him to come over as a player to be named later with no chance to watch him play if they hadn't already reached a decision for him to be added to the 40 man roster and keep him around Northcutt hit 30 home runs combined between two levels of the Red Sox minor league system in 2022. Uh, I think they like his power. I think they like his potential. And I just don't see that they would have picked him to be the guy to come over without any chance of keeping him and 30 bombs between two levels. Someone might take a flyer on him and and pick him in the draft again I think it comes down to when we reach this level whether or not we think these guys are good enough to take up somebody's active roster spot and Northcut has shown power but he's also still a very high strikeout guy so maybe that keeps him off the 40 man roster I, I think if the Reds feel like someone's going to take him though I think they they add him I think they made that decision already so kind
0: of as we look at it we're thinking about six guys Uh, need to be added to the 40 man roster, which means there need to be six cuts. We are going to dive into that very heavily on tomorrow's episode. The guys who will no longer be on the Reds' 40 man roster, whether that's, you know, I mean, they'll be put on waivers once they're cut off the 40 man roster and whether or not they stay within the organization is not up to the Reds, but they will no longer be there on the 40 man. We'll jump into that tomorrow though. But as for right now, let's take a look at a few more players. The Reds could add to the roster be a free agency. Two are former Reds and one is a former Dodger. We'll tell you who they are coming up next. But first, today's podcast is sponsored by Bet Online. And you know, Steve, uh, speaking of free agency, they've got some odds over at Bet Online for Jacob DeGrom's next team. And I am surprised to learn that the Reds are not on this list, but they actually have the Dodgers at the top Dodgers are the favorites although they're only slightly ahead of the Atlanta Braves can you imagine the slight to Mets fans of Jacob deGrom going from New York to Atlanta that would be chaos and I think I'd be here for that
1: and I think it's become the lazy odds makers uh way (laughs) to just list the Dodgers first for everybody like oh is that player any good at all it's the Dodgers um But beyond that, you know, I think the Grom's got some interesting choices to make. Uh, I don't think it's going to be the Dodgers, actually. Um, I'm going to go with the dark horse here at plus 750 and say that the San Diego Padres are going to go out and get the Grom because I really think San Diego is willing to do whatever it takes to stop being the stepchild in the National League West. And they want to win that division. They want to be... uh, Not the also ran, not the honorable mention. They want to win it. And this is how they do it. They have to go out and get better than the Dodgers. And to do that, they're going to have to spend about a billion dollars. So go get them.
0: I think I'm here for the Astros at plus 700 because the Astros there was reports today that um the Astros met with their general manager and with Dusty Baker about retaining them for one more year to try and get back to back champs. I think the Astros are going trying to go full evil empire here. I think they go out and they get DeGrom and add him to the list because Justin Verlander I don't think is coming back, uh, but they still have an amazing pitching staff without him. They get to Grom, they've probably got the best pitching staff in the game. So I'd be, I'd be very interested to see that and how it plays out. But I tell you what, if you want to check out some great odds and lines and stuff like that, head on over to betonline.net. Betonline.net has you covered every season. With their in-depth articles, their news, their podcast, and uh, all the great analysis on every team matchup that you can find. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport around. It's the fastest and easy way to check up on all your favorite games, whether you're talking about NFL, whether you're talking about college football, college basketball is back baby. And I'm so happy to see how bad the UC Bearcats destroyed the Chaminade silver Swords. Yeah. We're, we're not going to dump in, jump into the absolute, uh, you know, the, the level of talent there, but anyway, whatever, you know, it's great to see college basketball back. Plus hockey, MMA, all that great stuff. You can find it at betonline.net because betonline is where the game starts. Thanks again for making Lockdown Reds your first listen of the day. Coming up tomorrow, the Reds will have to move some players off the 40-man roster, and we'll tell you who that should be. Like we said, probably about six, uh, five or six for sure. Maybe, I don't know that they get to seven, Steve, but there's definitely going to be some moves made, and we will dive into the players that they should be moving off the 40-man roster. But for now, let's look at a couple of free agents. Let's look at some guys that the Reds could pursue. Two of the players we're going to talk about are former Reds. A couple of players that we've seen in the comments. And then one is a former Dodger, although really I think of him more as a Blue Jay because he was only with the Dodgers for a hot minute last year. But we'll start with the former Reds. And the first guy we'll look at is Brandon Jury. We talk about him in the guise of holy crap it was great that the reds got him for nothing at the end of spring training and he just went off and turned into an asset that the reds were able to cash in
1: on could they do that again well they could but i don't know that they should uh brian and drury was a happy happy accident jeff i mean there's no there's no other real way to put that say it like he was a baby that the well (laughs) he's nick crawl's baby let me tell you because that that's probably a great description uh here's the thing he hit 22 home runs in the first half of the season before we traded him away to the san diego padres during his time in san diego he was just slightly better than replacement level for them outside the friendly confines of great american ballpark uh is that because we Changed his locale because we changed the stadium or did he really just kind of start naturally drifting back from his outlier position to the guy that he really is? I think that's more likely. I think he probably just started drifting back to the guy that he really is, which is maybe just a slightly above replacement level league average player. The number of dollars that he's going to command because he hit 30 home runs in the 2022 season combined between the two locations, I think makes him cost prohibitive. I think mm-hmm. what would make sense for Cincinnati, you know, if they could get him on the cheap would be for him to platoon in the outfield with one of the F troop guys. And, and you make a, a whole outfielder out of the two, either you can bind him up with Fraley or you can bind him up with Friedel. But I just don't see that with the money that he's going to make that he's a a wise investment for the reds uh, between the question marks and the fact that we wouldn't want him as a full-time player.
0: Right. And I think that the important part about his value last year was the fact that the reds literally got him at league minimum. He got the vet minimum at 900 K and that's really what played into his trade value as well was how well he played relative to how much money he was making because the Padres only ended up spending like what, like $350,000 on him through that trade. Now you're looking at a guy that's not only going to get a multi-year deal, too. We forgot to mention that, but he's going to get around six million, at least according to spot track and their market value. So you're looking at six-ish million for more than one year. That means that his trade value probably isn't that great because he's not going to hit 22 home runs in the first half of this season. I'm, I'm pretty confident, say he could prove me wrong. But I'm pretty sure he's not going to do that. So you're just the, the value that the Reds extracted from him last year is not going to be there this year if they bring him back.
1: No, I, I, I agree with that. I think that uh, just for all of the things we've just said, he won't be back in Cincinnati. But there's another guy, Jeff, that was fairly popular that was really considered a, a great find, a good deal for the team when he came over from Cleveland, and that was Tyler Naquin. And, you know, he made $4 million last year. He, he played well against right-handed pitching. uh, And he's another guy that you would have to build a platoon around. Here's the problem is we've already got two guys just like him. We've got Jake Fraley. We've got TJ Friedel. There's just not room for a a happy, warm and fuzzy Naquin reunion. Uh, I, I think he would be too expensive. You have basically the same player in Friedel for a whole lot less money. Uh, I think the Reds roll with what they got in this situation.
0: Yeah, this is a situation where you, you're just signing the same guy you've already got, and he's going to be more expensive. Now, he made $4 million last year. He's probably not going to make that this year, but still you know, probably around 3 million. And it may even be a multi-year deal. There might be some teams out there that try to lock him up for two or three years. And the Reds just aren't going to do that. And they shouldn't do that because again, like they've got that guy, they've got Jake, Jake Fraley is Tyler Aquin, but that's what he is. And I think that we romanticized Tylan Aquin because we saw him do some clutch things and Jake Fraley really didn't have a chance to do clutch things because the Reds didn't really have any situations where they needed to be clutch in last year. So I, I think we got to look at this and say that Tyler Akwin and Jake Fraley are the same guy. And and you could even make an argument for Friedel or Fairchild that they're the same guys, uh, if not even slightly better than where Tylan Aquin is. So yeah, I'm not interested in bringing him back. You know, I'm, I'm thankful for the, the plays that he made, but overall that's not, a guy that I'm interested in. Now there is a guy that's interesting to me, Steve, but not uh, again, this isn't a move that's going to excite anybody. And we'll, we'll tell you exactly why, but the Reds could look at Kevin Pillar as an outfield platoon type guy. Cause he would fit in. He's a right-handed hitter that would fit in. Uh, with the rest of the F troop and he probably is going to be cheaper than Tylen Equin. in fact, Kevin Pillar might be one of those guys that hangs out until spring training and you can get him on a vet minimum.
1: Oh, and, and this is a guy, look, look, we talked about going out and finding the next. Drury, Tommy fam guy that you could get on a one year prove it deal that you could flip at the break. If they're doing well, this guy really fits that bill. Uh, You know, he's a career OPS plus that's slightly below league average at 88, but coming off a year where he only played four games, I think he's our guy. I think you go out and get a righty like this, that really wants to prove it. And you put him in a band box, to hit so that their numbers are going to be inflated. And then you flip them to the unsuspecting Dodgers or the unsuspecting Mets or Yankees or Padres or whoever is willing to pay and you get big return. I think this is where Nick Kroll is going to start establishing himself uh, as a good general manager is signing guys like this and flipping them low risk, high return, high reward type players. And I think Pilar fits that bill
0: and he is a guy that teams have experience acquiring. Like after he played the first, handful of years of his career with Toronto, they flipped him to San Francisco for some prospects and he played well in San Francisco. And he's, he's had a couple of years where he has been that, you know, guy that everybody's talking about at the deadline. I think of him like Jeff Supon, right? He's the guy that always gets traded to somebody who is in contention at the deadline. Kevin Pillar could be the Reds Jeff Supon this year, at least in the field. He doesn't pitch. Jeff Supon pitched. Anyway. Hey, you uh, never
1: know with this team. He very well could pitch. Let's not, <laughs> might, let's not just know. say that like it's a foregone right. conclusion, Jeffrey, um, because there is a lot of guys. I'm looking at baseball reference right now, and there's a lot of guys on this pitcher's list that I guarantee you uh, didn't think they were going to be on the pitcher's list heading it, into 2022.
0: It was very clear the Reds missed Alex
1: Blandino last year. I will say that. I will agree so, Listen, Jeff, the Reds are going to have options to explore. I think that's really the key takeaway from this whole deal. Uh, There's not going to be flashy. They're not going to be big name press conferences, but there's dudes out there that can help this team be better. God, please make this team better than it was in 2022. (laughs) Coming up, uh, we're going to be talking about how the Reds uh, will fare or could fare in the new lottery draft major league baseball announced how that is going to work and coming up right after this we are going to take a look at the draft lottery and where the red stand you can follow the podcast on all platforms including youtube if you're watching us there thank you so much if it's your first time make sure you click that subscribe button And the notification bell. Got to hit both of those. You'll get notified every single time we post anything. Schedule a premiere or go live. We're trying to do a lot of those lives. They are so much fun. And we want to talk baseball with you. So click those buttons. Uh, You can also follow us on Twitter when you are not watching the show. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three F's. You can follow me at S Offenbaker. There's only two F's in that because it is spelled correctly. And you can also follow the show at Locked on Reds. All right, Jeff, the draft lottery, you know, when this first started being discussed, I was like, eh, it's not a big deal. Whatever. It doesn't move the needle all that much. But that was in the context of the bigger financial picture that caused that ridiculous dumb lockout to start the season and made me miss opening day and all kinds of things. I'm still ticked off about that. But yeah, now that we're actually in it, this is a big deal because this is how it's going to go down. Major league baseball has announced that they are going to have the draft lottery. They're going to do the, the draws, so to speak, uh, December 6th at the winter meetings. That's going to happen at 8 30 PM Eastern time. You'll be able to watch it live on MLB network. And they also released the percentage chances that each team has to get the number one draft pick. And the way it's going to work is this picks one through 18, are going to be conducted lottery style. They're going to draw picks one through 18 pick 19 through 30 is set already. They're using the uh, order of finish in the playoffs to set 19 through 30. So for example, uh, the Houston Astros, they won the world series. They finished the playoffs. That means they're picking last, no matter how many trash cans they bang in the dugout, they are picking (laughs) last. So, so that brings us back to one through 18. Uh, The teams with the best odds are the Nationals, the A's, and the Pirates, Jeff. They are uh, a whopping 16.5% chance of drawing the number one draft pick. Now, in fourth place, just a little bit behind that, is our Cincinnati Reds. They have a 13.2% chance of getting the number one draft pick. And then just behind the Reds are the Royals at 10%. Now, those are all of the teams with a 10% chance or better of securing the number one draft pick in this draft lottery. So I ask you now that we've had some time to kind of think about this draft lottery and think about how it impacts the team. How do we feel about moving to a draft lottery? How do we feel about the reds chances? You know, what are we thinking here?
0: I do. I mean, I do like a draft lottery. I don't think it does what Rob Manfred said it was going to do. And it eliminates the need for tanking. People are still going to be like, well, I want the best shot to get the number one pick that I can. If I don't think that I'm anywhere near a wild card spot. And honestly, I kind of look at this and I say, Does this really make us that happy that the Reds missed out on last place? Cause like at this point, I don't care that they're fourth place. I kind of wish they had a 16.5% chance of getting, um, I believe it's Dylan Cruz, who a lot of people have as the
1: number one pick. Like I I want the number one pick if we're not going to be in the playoffs. Here's the problem I have with this. The Reds have a 13.2% chance to get the number one draft pick. But they could also get the 18th draft pick. Now, that is entirely possible that they end up at number 18. Uh, I have a problem with that. This model, I mean, let's just call it what it is. This model is copycat based on the NBA, The NBA does things this way, but you can't you can't do that. And this is where the leadership of Major League Baseball and Rob Manfred just absolutely just confound me on a a pretty regular basis because I don't think he really understands the sport he's been hired to direct. Major League Baseball's number one draft pick never goes straight to the active roster. They are not impact players. They could be impact players years from now. Maybe if they make it, if they're not a miss, if they don't have injury problems, I'm looking at Nick Senzel, you know, you never know how it's going to work out in the NBA. That number one draft pick can play tomorrow, can play for the, the big club, can start on opening night the very next day. Baseball is not that way. And so I think it's flawed right out of the gate. And I I just I don't like I don't like the impacts that are potentially far greater than the, the reward you might get out of having a higher draft position that may or may not make it anyway.
0: And I guess that's probably where he's like, well, see, that's why there's no incentive to losing, because you could conceivably have the worst record and have like the eighth pick in the draft or something like that but then you're not really I don't I don't know I don't I don't think it's a good way to conduct the MLB draft plus it's shown in years past that there's a gratuitous drop from like the top three or four picks to the next four or five picks really as far as the chances of that player making an impact and we're talking about an impact not just making the major leagues because even that in and of itself is difficult for anybody in the top, let alone anybody in this draft anywhere, but making an impact because you're thinking you're getting a guy that can help change the course of your franchise. But as we've seen in the past, that's not always the case. So you do want the best shot at the number one draft pick. But again, you're not talking about an easy impact on your team. So I'm kind of with you. I think that this is an important thing for Major League Baseball to continue to monitor and evaluate and not just say, Hey, look, we did this thing. It's done. We're good.
1: Well, and, and here let's, let's, let's tell the truth. Let's tell the listeners the truth, Jeff. I'm going to drop a truth bomb. Rob Manfred is talking about trying to prevent teams from tanking because Manfred hates baseball. Can't look in the camera and tell you what the real deal is. And the real deal is that the owners aren't trying because they're pocketing all of the TV money and they don't care whether or not they win. They don't care whether or not you go. It doesn't matter to them at all whether or not you buy a ticket and go to the stadium because they have made all of their money for the year before the first pitch is ever thrown. So these these kind of things are pitched and proposed and and hyped by Major League Baseball's executive committee people because they want to distract you from that fact. And they think you're not smart enough to figure it out. And I don't believe that. I think all of our listeners are smart enough that they understand this. Uh, you know, does that mean I'm not going to the ballpark? No, you guys know I fly all over the stinking country to go to these baseball games. I love going to the ballpark and I'm going to continue to do that. But it's not because Rob Manfred fooled me. It's not because Bob Castellini and his produce stand tricked me into thinking that he's doing something that he's not because I love the game and I love the sport. And, you know, it just ticks me off when they think that they're so smart because they're not.
0: And we are takey on a Tuesday. I love it. (laughs) I love it. And I think that's where we should drop the bomb. That's where on that on that bombshell. It's time to end. Thank you all so much for watching, for listening, this edition of the Locked on Reds podcast. Coming up tomorrow, Steve and I will get to take you again with what the Reds should do as far as moving guys off of the 40-man roster to make room for the prospects they need to protect. That's coming up on tomorrow's podcast. Now, for today, go check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast as they've got you covered each and every day in 22 minutes or less with all of the biggest stories of the day in sports, plus instant reactions and big game recaps. And they've also got the take of the day. That's Locked On Sports Today, just like Locked On Reds. We're available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. Steve, there are moves that are about to be made for the Reds because they've got to get to protecting some prospects. So, what's that mean
1: for you and me? That means in spite of Manfred hates baseball, you and I are going to continue to figure out what's going on. We're going to continue to talk about what we think the Cincinnati Reds should do and what they shouldn't do. And we're going to help keep all of our listeners and viewers locked on Reds every single day.